Gray, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you tonight, sir? I'm feeling a little bit crazy. All right, that's yes. what we love. <laughs> yes. Oh boy, are we excited to talk to you? Okay, I gotta say, we finished the book, gave it the full read. Uh, watched a little short film on the website. That, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I've got to tell you. Okay, now here's what here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna do my little elevator pitch. Okay, I'm gonna go. Ghost Whisper meets Knives Out meets Cujo. Huh? He's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that's right (laughs) oh man look look, i loved it the the whole you know whodunit aspect to it and then mixing in the supernatural element to it it's just it was we loved it we're gonna just get get all into that but what we like to do first is kind of do a little introduction to all the listeners who may not be familiar with who you are um and just kind of talk about how you got started in the industry and and things like that so was it something that you knew you always wanted to do, write and produce, uh, produce and direct in the film and television industry? Or how did you kind of come about that? You know, I was very lucky. I always knew from a very young age, this is what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, like like 12. Mm. Um, and I used to think I want to be an actor. Because mm, okay. I thought the actors did it all. That's how I experienced, you know, movies and TV. Sure. The actors. I just thought they just got there and did it. And when I started making little movies, um, with the, I had an uncle gave me this old eight millimeter camera. Yes. When I started, <laughs> right? When I started making films like that, I started to realize that there's a consciousness behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just the actors. And so, you know, luckily for the world, I gave up on the acting idea. And, <laughs> uh, you know, just just focused on on writing and directing. And uh, you know, I think I was very lucky also in that I never really knew how hard it would be mm. to do this. I you know, grew up in Brooklyn. Um, my father was an iron worker. You know, my mother worked for the city. I had no connection to Hollywood any way, shape, or form. Right. So, um, you know, I just had this kind of naive thought that I'm going to be able to do this. And so, you know, if someone had said to me, well, John, it'll be like 15 years of starving before you get your first job, maybe I, you know, I would have <laughs> done something else. I would have you know, gotten a good humor truck or something. I don't know. But uh, I always felt like tomorrow's the day. I'm going to make it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just kept working really hard at it and, and um, you know, eventually was able to find an agent and, and always made movies. It's a like, important thing. I just always found a way to make a movie. Right. Millimeter, 16 millimeter. This is way before digital, of course, um, because I'm over 35. This may come as a shock to you. Uh, Me too. Me too. Sure. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I got excited with 8 millimeter, man. I'm old school. I'm all about film. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, anyway, it, it's it's there's not enough time on this podcast or any other podcast to talk about how exactly I, I got started. But, um, suffice to say, cut to many years later, I wrote a script um, that I was trying to get an actor to agree to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actor's agent really liked the script and signed me as uh, There you go. And I said, but yes, but I'm really a director. And he said, of course you are. But let's start as a writer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just kind of, it, it just went from there. That's right. Oh my god! But that's amazing, though. One, I mean, for all of our listeners, because because we have a whole bunch of listeners on this podcast that are up and comers and trying to get into the industry, and it's always so much valuable advice from from our guests. And it's right off the gate, it's you knew at twelve, 
And, you know, years and years and years later, that says determination. If it's what you want to do, if it's your passion, you just hang in there and you go for it no matter what, regardless, right? You're starving, but you're going to hang in there. So that's very important for anybody trying to break in to understand it doesn't happen overnight and you're going to have to stick with it and you're going to have to make sure it's what you want to do because it's going to be a struggle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. And, and there's, you know, a ton of rejection. Oh, sure. Um, you know, so if, if you ever get to a point where you feel like you can't take the rejection or you can't work this hard, it's not for you. Um, That's it. You know, but if you just stick with it and always work hard and always be thinking, how do I, how can I get ahead? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eventually the other people out there start to drop away mm-hmm. and, and it becomes a little thinner. The herd thins and um, you know, the competition gets a little bit thinner and you can, you know, you can break through. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, something that we've been advocating a lot recently on the podcast and talking mostly about is mental health. And this industry is full of, we don't like to say rejection, but kind of selection uh, in a sense to where you might not be right for what people are particularly looking for in that period of time. So how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep yourself going on the track that you might get a million no's and one yes? Well, the first thing is to remember that it only takes one yes. Mm, that's right. You know, like that's just something I always keep in mind. You know? And when I was, I, you know, I've had no said to me many, many, <laughs> many, many times. I continue to. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, whenever as a young person getting started, when someone would say no to me, it mm-hmm. just made me more determined. Mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, I wouldn't feel defeated or want to slink away. I would feel like you're wrong. Yes. And I'm going to prove that to you someday, to myself. You know, yep. outside I said, sorry, thanks, you know, goodbye. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I think you have to have kind of an unwavering belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's always hard in our business because I think if you have any kind of artistic bent at all built into that mm-hmm. is you know, feelings of, am I a fraud? Am I really talented? You know? So for most of us, you know, it's hard to embrace uh, or, or conjure that confidence you know, because it's not always really there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think if you just kind of think as if and, and you know, move, try to move to the world that way, it's, you know, it's a big help. And the other thing I always tell young people, because um, we talk to we, my wife and I, my wife is Melissa Peltier, is brilliant writer and director in her own right and a novelist and a documentarian. And we produce short films together. Yes. And um, we, uh, you know, we love to go to film festivals and we talk to young people and we do panels and, you know. And I always say that, that, you know, you have a movie studio now in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's no excuse not to go out there and make your movie. You know, that's right. Um, so, and that's really what it, what it comes down to. Is just don't let anything stop you from making your film. Well, and and you bring up your wife, and that's the other part of it too, right? A strong support system. You've got to have that those people in your circle that that are understanding and know. Yeah, this is tough, and and there's going to be some times, but together we're going to get through it. And they're going to support you. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be those ones. Oh, you're so crazy. Get a real job. You know, I mean, can't tell you how many times we've heard that before. Get a real job, but yes. Yes. you need get that support. <laughs> But that support circle is crucial as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you need that as well to let people know that, hey, I can do this and you believe in me and that therefore I believe in me and I can go out there and get it done, right? Right, exactly. I mean, my mother, God bless her, you know, she was, uh, you know, she herself was a daughter of a a policeman, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, very rarely left Brooklyn um, her whole life, really. 
uh, you know, just a big hearted person full of love, but she didn't really understand anything about the film business. Mm-hmm. What it means that you want to make a film, a producer, director, what, what is that? Right. But she always made me feel like if I want to do it, I could do it. Mm. And, you know, she once for Christmas gave me a, a Super 8 camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which you know, was head and shoulders over an eight million. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. And, you know, she bought it on time. She had to pay it off in installments, you know. Yeah. But it's that kind of belief that, that can just, you know, blow your mind. Oh, yeah. And, and it's really important. Well, kudos, mom. That very good. That's, oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, seriously. Well, something that I have definitely been binge watching recently, uh, definitely to get prepared for the interview. But honestly, before he told me that you were coming on the show, it was something that honestly just kind of fell into my life. Uh, I had never really watched, you know, your show before, Ghost Whisperer. But now <laughs> I'm like super involved, super in love, trying to catch up through all of the seasons. My fiance and I have been binge watching it together. So Great. as that, is that, was that like your baby or how many like carnations did that go through before it saw the light of day? Because for all the upcoming writers and showrunners trying to break into it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of revisions before it actually sees the television screen. It, it, it does. I mean, there is a lot. I mean, Ghost Whisperer was a, a sort of a charmed project in a way. Yeah. But it came out of the relationship that I had with CBS Mm -hmm. and I had made many, many movies for them. Right. Uh, And, you know, the first movie I got for them was very difficult to get because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was, I was untested as a director. I was young. I was was still in my twenties. And um, uh, finally uh, they liked my writing a lot and I was approached by CBS and this is way before Ghost Whisperer, Mm -hmm. but I was approached by CBS um, with a script that was in trouble. They, they just, you know, they want to make the movie, but they just didn't like the script. And they said, would you consider rewriting the script? Because it needs like a total rewrite. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I realized, yeah, I know how to do this. I can do this. But I said, they got to let me direct it or I don't want to do it. And so my agent was able to leverage that and say, he really you know, he's excited about the script. He knows exactly how to rewrite this and do it, but he's got to direct it. And, you know, it wasn't like immediate yes it took a lot of elbowing and begging you know sure but they finally said yes and and so that's how i began this relationship with cbs it went on for many many years and i made quite a few movies for them and um there was a great executive there named bella bajaria um who i dealt with on the movie side and she called me one day and said you know we just met this really fascinating woman who um can clear your house of ghosts Hmm. because she sees ghosts um, who haven't crossed over, who are earthbound, stuck here. Right. And she said, you know, I just think there might be a series in this. Do you want to you know, meet her? And I had no interest in doing series. I was very happy in my movie world. I thought a series, you know, it's going to be the same characters all the time, same locations. That sounds boring. <laughs> but I was so interested to meet this woman. And um, I guess uh, uh, James Van Prague, who I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. uh, he had a relationship with CBS and he introduced this woman to the executives there. And so I met with Mary and we both happened to be in LA at the time. And a guy lived in New York and um, we met at this Starbucks and I was, I was looking for some ethereal kind of like, you know, wispy sort of, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> instead there's this like completely normal down to earth, salt of the earth, wonderful Midwestern woman. 
with her husband, who's an ex-Marine, oh. you know, buzz cut and tattoos. And yeah. Not the ghost hunting people you're, you're expecting. You know? <laughs> and uh, I sat and talked with her and I just fell in love. She was just so wonderful and warm and really down to earth about her, what she, she can do. And, you know, her thing was that she can see ghosts who are earthbound and she can convince them to cross over and she can create the light for them to go into and cross over. And so one of the things I asked her was, do you see ghosts all the time? Is this something that just happens? You know, and she said, yes, they're around me all the time. She said, sometimes I try not to let them know I can see them so they don't bother me because otherwise <laughs> they want something. And, yeah. So I said, well, how about this Starbucks right now? Oh, there's three ghosts here right now. Wow. Whoa, and whoa. She's showing me as a guy over here. I think it's just probably his mother. She's looking over his shoulder. She doesn't look like she's very happy. And someone else, this might've been his brother. And so that, that scene ended up in the pilot. You know? Yeah. And so I walked away from that meeting just thinking, wow, this could be, you know, I've always loved horror. I love gothic horror. Mm-hmm. I love ghost stories. And I've always loved um, character-driven drama. And so I thought this may be my chance to, to meld all that and, and have some fun. So I said, yeah, let's, I want to do this. And, and so we made a deal to, to write a pilot. And I'd never written a pilot. I thought this would be interesting. But they'll never make it, of course. But you know, I'll, I'll write yeah. the pilot, learn something. <laughs> and so you know, I write the pilot, and it's like, oh yeah, let's, we're going to make the pilot. Oh, okay, great. Well, I've never directed a pilot. This will be fun. So I direct the pilot, and uh, uh, they'll never, they'll, they'll never make a series out of it. I'll be free after the pilot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Network will never pick it up. It's fine. Yeah. And they say, well, we're going to do. Let's do thirteen. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to do this 13 more times. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did the 13. Then they said, let's do nine more. And then for you know, yeah, we're on the air for five years. Yeah, yeah. just and, and was a huge hit. I mean, I felt like there for a long time, it was the show everybody wanted to guest star on. Everybody yeah. wanted to be yeah. on that show. And so many people went through that show. It's unreal. When you, when you look back and you're binging the seasons, you're like, holy crap, they were on it? This was on? That was on? It was like, yeah, it's, it was amazing. Um, so you know, we, had, we had great luck with guest cast. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, not to like blow our own horn, but I think the reason was because we were able to really write really rich, interesting characters mm-hmm. who were dealing with things that everyone recognizes, you know, loss and grief. Oh, sure. And redemption. And so the guest cast, it wasn't just some, you know, surface kind of superficial thing. So a lot of actors were eager to, to come on and, and have a chance to do something to get their teeth into it. Absolutely. Now, did was Jennifer Love Hewitt all you? Were you like, this is who I want? Were you involved in that casting process or did they yes. kind of, yeah? We definitely wanted her from the beginning. Uh, but at first, she was attached to another show mm. uh, that hadn't gotten a green light yet. It was still waiting. Right. So we were, of course, rooting for failure. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, um, uh, uh, and then and we did. You know, she, um, and it's funny because we initially conceived the show as someone who's a bit older. Mm-hmm. And we would join them already in their lives. And, you know, but when the idea of Jennifer came up... Um, then we started thinking, well, what if this is somebody who's just starting out in their lives? And yeah. About to get married. And, you know. and so we were very fortunate that, that her other deal fell through and uh, she was able to join our show. Yeah, because, I mean, can you even imagine Melinda being anybody else at this point? No. It's like, no way. <laughs> she was just unbelievable. The whole cast, by the way, was phenomenal. It, it, it was just well done and 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 glad it's still around that everybody can watch it because, like I said, still people are yeah. finding it every day. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, so obviously you liked the genre. Obviously you liked people that could see ghosts and everything. So now let's talk about it because I'm super excited to talk about this. You, let's, you're, now you're a novel writer. So now you're jumping into the novel game, right? And you're, and you're getting into it. And The Desecrated, holy cow. It's gripping right from the get-go. That opening like sequence that sets it all up. You're just like, whoa, what is going on here? Yeah, and, and then just boom, jumps to modern day, and you and you're right into it. Um, so talk about the inspiration for it because yeah, and I lo- there's little things the whole time I was reading it. It's like, oh, her name's Jennifer. That's cute, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and, and the ex-boyfriend's Jim. Ah, okay, <laughs> that's all little things I was thinking. It's like, was that intentional? Was that not intentional? I don't know. But talk about the inspiration for the book. Well, oddly enough, you'll laugh, but I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, I read a story about how Lindsay Lohan uh, had gotten another, you know, some sort of, I don't know, it was a DUI, it was some, you know, problem. Mm-hmm. And she was sentenced to community service at the LA County Morgue. And I just thought that was crazy. Like, whose idea was that? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know it's like a soup kitchen, you know, okay, you know, uh, a thrift shop, but you know, a morgue. Right. But it, it was true. And she did 53 days of community service at, at the LA County morgue. And it, it just started me thinking about what would that be like for the people who work there? And, and you know, how could that be? Um, and so, there, and this, yeah, so for years and years, I've been kind of just always coming back to that idea. And is there any way to do that? And, and then ultimately it made more sense to kind of reverse the, the genders and and make it about a, a woman who's kind of lost in her life, mm-hmm. working at this more kind of marking time and trying to figure out what her next move is, grieving or the death of her father. And then this kind of, you know, alpha uh, mega action movie star, Trevor Price, English. Yes. Um, he's the one who gets assigned to, uh, uh, to her, her morgue and, you know, makes for instant conflict and, you know, the instant uh, problems. Yes. Yeah. I, I just, I love that. And yeah, so you, 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 you said it like the, the, the grieving of the dad. And so there were so many intricate details in this, you know, not just that she had lost her mom and she was going through some stuff. She was like, Hey, every time I'm getting angry, every time I'm getting upset, some shit's happening, what's going on, you know, am I crazy? And so I just thought it was really well written the way, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but the way that the relationship between daughter and dad flipped, you know, it went to where at the end when he's, you know, saying basically the same thing to her that she had said to him, please don't send me, please don't do this. Um, I thought that was brilliantly done. And I, and I love how that plays through the whole, the whole arc of the story all the way. And uh, I just thought that was fantastic. Well, thanks. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone, uh, their relationship with their parents reverberates throughout their lives, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. And, you know, I saw my wife go through it with her dad, where, where the roles came completely reversed. And, you know, he became really dependent on her for, for care. Um, my brother and I had the same thing you know, with our, our mother. Uh, and it's just like the circle of life, I guess, you know, yeah. but uh, um, it's always fun to think about, well, maybe not fun, but interesting to think about how th- that kind of thing resonates throughout your life and, and affects your choices and affects your uh, the lens to which, you know, you look at your world. Mm. 
Indeed. Completely agree. I think it's a good representation of, and I know some people don't believe in it, but karma. You know, some maybe you're doing some shady stuff, like it can come back and bite you in the ass. So, you know, right. you got to make sure to stay on the right track and to, you know, not get caught up into something that you might accidentally fall into, if that makes sense. You know, be sure to, it's always a good representation of, you are who you hang out with and who you associate yourself with. So as long as you stay on the straight and narrow and try to surround yourself with people who you can learn and grow from, you won't end up in a bad place, either getting haunted or in trouble with the legal uh, law enforcement or anything like that. And I thought it was very, you know, as a younger person and as, you know, I guess, I guess I'm a millennial. I don't, they keep changing the years. Who knows? Um, but I felt like your writing was just very entertaining for me. And I feel like that's saying a lot coming from the younger generation who I feel like gets bored very easily because yeah. of the social media generation. But I mean, I just felt like I couldn't put this down. So that's kudos to you, man. Your writing is impeccable. And uh, I'm just going to wait for the next one now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thank that, that's high praise. Of and, course. Uh, you know, I like to try to inject humor, you know, mm -hmm. in characters. Yeah, and, and just try definitely. To make everybody as three-dimensional you know, as possible. Right. And, you know. Well, and that theme, the, the theme that Logan brought up, though, about, you know, you are who you're surrounded with. Basically, this whole, and again, I don't want to give so much away because I want people to, like, read the book. But this whole kind of thing that happens, right? It's a, it's a circumstance. Somebody meets somebody and they are, because of what happened to them, now they're hanging with this person who's doing some stuff. And it's like, hey, can I do this stuff? And the, I love how it's just all, well, if this person and this person and this person and then, and then all of a sudden it's steamrolling and you're caught in it and you don't know and you just go with it and I like how the fact that throughout the entire novel it's everybody is aware of you know you don't want her falling into it she's the only good person she's the only person that we can't have in here we right. can't do this and and as 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 crazy as the rest of the crew was they were still very protective of that at first uh you, yeah. you know to, to try to make sure she was not involved in it and and which was really good um one of my favorite though aspects of the whole story is the relationship between her and 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 Ulysses in the in the graveyard and and just that I, I just and the, the closure there man the ending was brilliant with both Trevor oh, Ann and you like I, I totally was like she's she'd never buy it but she will that way and I just I loved that um but that relationship you know here's this woman who's just like for what I got all this stuff going on in her life and she's dealing with all this stuff and she's thinking yet she's taking the time to buy this guy hot dogs every day and feed this man and take care of him medically because that's who she is mm -hmm. you know exactly who she is and also it you know, it kind of calls back to her own frustration and not being able to save her dad. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's really what kind of motivated her uh, initially to, to try to study medicine. Mm -hmm. She wants to help people having lost her mom very young. Um, so, you know, she is kind of a um, you know, very attracted towards helping people. Mm -hmm. And, and Ulysses is, is sort of helpless in some ways. Uh, you know, he's a little bit crazy, but yep. you know, he's still kind of smart. Yes. You know, like the old joke, just because I'm crazy doesn't mean I'm dumb. You know? Right. And for and for Jennifer, just because I'm pretty doesn't mean I'm dumb. Right. And she reversed that. She said, hey, what do you think? You, you think I don't deal with that every day? I'm a good looking woman and I get like I'm stupid, like I'm a bimbo. Right. So she yeah. she had that as well. So let's bring and in, though. One thing about that, too, if I may. Sure. For sure. Trevor embraces the fact 
Yes. Looks can he can just skate on his looks, and he's never expected to do anything except look good. Right. That's right. Jennifer hates it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. So let's bring in the supernatural aspect to it, right? Because you know, like I said, whenever she was getting upset, some stuff was happening, and she can see some spirits, some ghosts, and and, and stuff is going on. So, and it's all stemming from this like amulet that this Egyptian you know protection amulet that that. So talk about that a little bit. Where did that come from? Is that is like did you always know that this was kind of going to be the guiding force through the whole thing, or did you do some research and go, oh, that might be pretty cool to throw into this? How did that come? Yeah, I was definitely looking for something that could be a kind of a through line mm-hmm. uh, for the story mm-hmm. and and. Uh, yeah, as I say in the movie world, you're a MacGuffin, you know, something that's that's a thing that's, uh, and and I love the idea of this Egyptian, and I'm not sure how I stumbled on the Anubis, um, just in 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 research, you know. I mean, thank God for Google, you know. Right. Just, yeah. Stuff just randomly, you just sit there for hours and stuff comes up, but I, I was really as soon as I discovered that this Anubis was the guardian of cemeteries, mm. uh, and the guardian of the dead. Yeah, I was really interested in that idea and, and how that could apply to a morgue. Uh, and if, if this morgue was somehow connected to a cemetery where there was this Egyptian person buried in it. So, it, you know, just kind of built off of that. And, you know, Ulysses is the kind of person who would, would embrace any kind of superstition. Or, Absolutely. Uh, right. You know, yes, it's right up his alley. You know? Yeah. Um, so it just seemed to come together like that. And I, and I just love the whole idea of uh, something I don't think we've seen very much before. This, you know, the Anubis is a famous myth- mythological figure, but not one we've seen used in horror that that often. Right, right. I think that's something amazing about the career path that we have all chosen to take. No matter what project you're working on, you can learn something new basically every single day. Uh, We're also a film and television production company, so we got some stuff in the works. And we did a little back check, fact checking on uh, some certain like mythological things when it comes to ravens and things like that. And it's just so cool how you just get to learn all of this different stuff that you didn't know before and to help you carry your series forward in that way and how it like ties back to like you said the mythological stuff or you know the stuff for the ancient text and all that good stuff but i think it's stuff that you just you stumble on exactly and and you you pull it out five years later exactly (laughs) that's right i love that i love that and with you know us also being on the business side of things, how is the novel world different from the film and television world? How does all of that work? I'm very curious about that. Well, it's definitely a learning curve, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, uh, you know, really, is, it's the first time I've done it. We have uh, Elysian Press is our publisher. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the publisher is a woman named Mayor Wilson, who's awesome. And, and it's been great to sort of be taken in under their wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot to learn about just the process and how things get sold and you know, how it works. And, right. Um, Amazon does this, but Barnes and Noble does that. And, um, <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah, you, know, you never have to think about in the film you know, or TV world. But I think the more important um, and certainly the more profound difference was just in the writing. Mm. Um, you know, and it's and it's what I ended up loving about you know writing a novel was that I could be free finally of the constraints. Mm-hmm. of screenwriting where you're mm-hmm. constantly worried about the running time, mm-hmm. how to be you know, economic and how, you know, how do you, you just compress everything. And um, 
and here in the novel, uh, not that you want to have any wasted anything, but the idea that you could just take a little side trip down an alley over here, right? The character's background, um, right? It's so much fun, and and you can just invent all this funny stuff or or scary stuff, whatever it was. You know, we have our character Urson, you know, who comes from Turkey, right? And and to just invent this entire backstory for him as a grave robber in Turkey uh, was so much fun. And something I really couldn't do in the script. Right. Um, no one's got time for a movie, a two-hour movie, to do that. Exactly. No, and you do it so, brilliantly with all of the characters, though. From I mean, from Urson and Otis and Angel and the detective and like everybody. There's that little excerpt where you go, "Here's why they are the way they are," and you go greatly into their backstory. And I loved that because yeah, and then somehow interwove them all together, which I really enjoyed too. It's like okay, you can see these paths crossing now that you know where they're coming from and why they're on this path that they're on now. You can now you know why they're going to cross, um, which was brilliantly done. And also like what you what you had said about you, you do, Trevor brings it up about. He, he, why he likes doing what he does is because he can be somebody else and he's learning new things and different things and he can pretend to be anybody he wants to be for that brief moment in time and not have to be himself. I guess that is one of the cool things about acting, right? You do have to do some research. You do have to learn some stuff. The, the poignancy in that, though, is that Trevor doesn't want to be himself. Exactly, and yes. That's why he wants to be an actor because for X amount of time, I could be somebody else and not have to be me. Yeah. That's why the pandemic really hurt him because he couldn't do that. Well, and we should say that this, you, you referenced the pandemic wholeheartedly throughout Jennifer's father is a victim of the pandemic. And, uh, which again, you know, I, I feel like anybody that had gone through that, you know, has, has dealt with some situation from that. So I, I thought that was a great point too, that that's in the story and that that's being dealt with in the story. I got to ask though, I mean, you know, we have, because you got the little short film on the website and everything. Are we going to potentially see this thing? I mean, I think it's going to be a huge hit uh, in the bookstores, no doubt. So will we could possibly see it somewhere uh, visually? We are definitely planning on it. Um, I'm already working on a script and, uh, you know, we'd love to see it happen. And, um, uh, you know, I guess it'll partly depend how the, how the novel does, I suppose. But sure. Uh, um, you know, it would really be a dream come true, of course, to make that film and, and uh, um uh, well, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. Even more reason to have you back on the show one day. <laughs> Open invite anytime you want to come back on the podcast. We talk about the industry. We talk, you know, the top five segment, which, you know, this week is top five pump up songs. So, you know, we like to have fun with it. We like, you know, we have, we had a top five books before. Maybe we'll put yours on our top five now. I mean, come oh, on. For, for sure. For sure. It's up there for me. For sure. <laughs> but listen, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and coming to get a little crazy with us we really appreciate it this was a lot of fun and just we were really thankful that this book fell in our laps because it was an entertaining read that just got us away from screens for a while and we can't thank you enough for that yeah my pleasure yeah Yeah, oh loved it and i'm gonna be telling everybody to read it i mean yeah out and about today i was like referencing it everywhere because you know they're like oh who's this week's guest and i was like oh you hold on you got to listen to this story like he's a novelist now and you got to listen to it and i i couldn't stop talking about the book so i think it's gonna do really and i mean there's a there's a age gap here you know the future son-in-law here but there's a there's an age gap here and 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 so the idea that the book 
felt so likable to both of us. Yeah, it, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna do really really well with a broad audience. So yeah. congratulations. We hope to see more books. Can I stay on the show. Can I, can I just stay here? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> that's it. You're the new co-host. I mean, just you'll be yeah. with us all every week. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, but seriously, congratulations. Uh, yes. and we hope to see many more books. We hope to see many more films. Um, and, and just like Logan said, open invite. Anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. You just let us know. And, and you're always, you're always here. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Cause you know, it is a world of social media these days. So tell everybody That's where me. they can follow you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, J Thomas Gray at G R A Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Instagram um, as uh, it's Bay Ridge without the I, B-A-Y-R-D-G-E. Okay. And the website now is uh, johngrayofficial.com. And can they that. order the book from the website or, or uh, how, is there, can they, Amazon, I'm guessing, and, and stuff? Yes. I mean, we, we do a link to Amazon and Barnes and Noble through the website, but they can just go right to either, you know, you can get a digital or print from either uh, Barnes and Noble. Fantastic. Or Beautiful. I love shows. that. Well, listen, thank you so much again. We can't thank you enough, to be honest. <laughs> but take, me, guys. <laughs> take care and have a great rest of your night. And we'll be talking to you soon. All right. I hope so. Take All care. All right. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Man, oh, man. I mean, that's a that's a man full of knowledge right oh, there about I mean, all aspects of the entertainment industry. Yeah, and and again though, like the determination, mm-hmm. you know, from twelve. Yeah, I mean that's knowing pretty early on. If you're not like you, you know, a child actor, and you just know from twelve on this is what you're gonna do, yeah, and you stay through it for all them years into adulthood before you get your first break. That's incredible. It really is, and something that he said literally throughout the interview is fun. He was having fun, yes. taking risks, like just trying different stuff. Never wrote a pilot before. Wrote a pilot. Never directed a pilot before. Directed a pilot, and it just kept on going. Yep. So you got to be willing to learn things take chances and have fun that's what it's all about that's what this industry is all about and you can do it from wherever you're at yes that's the other big thing it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether you're in kansas or new york or wherever if that's your dream that's your passion you can do it exactly exactly well thank you again mr gray for coming on the show